And now, The Low Post. Welcome to a joint edition of The Low Post and the newly minted ESPN Woj Pod, where, oh my God, oh my God, the craziest free agency period maybe ever um, was capped last night. Woj, you broke it at about 2.35 in the morning. The... Los Angeles Clippers signed Kawhi Leonard and simultaneously agreed to trade a million draft picks in Shea Gilders Alexander and Danilo Gallinari to Oklahoma City for Paul George. Um, I, I'm still wrapping my head around all of it. I'm still wrapping my head around what it means for the Lakers, what it means for the Raptors, what it means for the league at large. Um, how, how are you feeling in, in the light of day? Are, do you feel like you've digested what, what in the world just happened? Yeah, no, it was, I mean, Zach, it was, you know, really a crescendo of this, what's been, a, like you said, a pretty wild free agency. And the way in which the Clippers, you know, just kind of faced a moment of truth there. And I think for the whole league, I, I don't know that there was, look how different the NBA, the Western Conference looks today, the whole league looks, that the Lakers don't have uh, maybe the biggest three of all time. And the fact that now there's two in it, there's two on the Clippers and there's two on the Lakers and, and, uh, Denver, Utah, Portland all say, Hey, we've got some depth and, you know, our good players are really good. Uh, maybe they have better ones at the very top, but, but look how deep we are. And well, and so all of a sudden the West looks very different, but the Clippers, you know, came to a point where they had to say, We've got to give Oklahoma City everything because we're not just uh, trading for Paul George. We're trading for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. They had to look at it that way because Kawhi was not in the end going to come unless there was a second star walking in the door with him or already there, and um, and that was Paul George. And so uh, just remarkable, remarkable turn of events. And for the Clippers – like they can't get that deal done if they don't do Blake Griffin and if they don't turn Tobias Harris and the Blake Griffin deal into more picks and have these picks at their disposal uh, when they couldn't get when, when there wasn't a natural free agent to fill in that spot and Kawhi Leonard made it clear to them once free agency started that Paul George was the guy he wanted to play with the fact that they had those picks allowed them to go and, and get this done with the Thunder. So that was going to be my first question for you. So, so all year, the Clippers have been like stalking uh, Kawhi Leonard worse than worse than I've stalked ex-girlfriends before. They're just everywhere Kawhi Leonard is, they are. Um, their interest was well known. So this is not some sort of new development. They come into free agency with one max slot and and enough left over to take your Mo Harklesses and a, and a draft pick, enough left over to agree to terms with Rodney Magruder and all this. But at what point do they know this is what we have isn't enough? Because it see to my read, I, I don't, I didn't get that emanating from them during the season. I didn't get fear emanating from them that what they had wasn't enough. Now maybe the Lakers getting Anthony Davis right before free agency kicked in that fear. But when I, it's hard to piece together who know what and when and what was said in these meetings and all that. But when did when did they realize? Uh oh, like we have this nice plucky team. We got a lot of draft picks. We got a lot of good stuff. Like we can roll it over next year. That's cool. Like we'll be all right. But when did they realize like that was actually in play for them? They weren't getting Kawhi unless they got somebody else. Yeah, sometime after uh, June, 
June 30th at 6 p.m. Eastern. Sometime once they were able to start engaging Kawhi Leonard and and his representative and his, his group, they got that message. And, you know, they started to call on players like Bradley Beal, Drew Holiday, found out that what they suspected, those players weren't available. Uh, both those teams want to keep those players. And then it got to Paul George and, Earlier in the week, sometime around the beginning of Kawhi Leonard's meetings with the teams, the Lakers, the, the, the Clippers, and then he went east to meet with the Raptors, sometime at the beginning of that week, he visited with Paul George, and they talked. And there had been this mutual, um, certainly this mutual respect for each other and, and the idea that I think Kawhi expressed and seemed obviously Paul returned returned it was that they wanted to play together and the only way to do that was for Paul to go back to Oklahoma City to uh, push them for a trade which he did and they finally acquiesced and and you know you saw the the level of uh, assets that went back that was uh, pretty remarkable but for the Clippers the idea of watching. Kawhi walk in the door of the Staples Center and turn left instead of right, or maybe it's right instead of left, I don't know, to, to the uh, Laker locker room, like they would have sent the Clippers back to the Dark Ages. They couldn't have recovered from that. There's not another player like Kawhi Leonard who's coming down the road who, you're, who you have a chance to sign. He's a top five player in the league. They don't become available. They, you know, everything was set up, the geography, where the player was from. Uh, his sensibilities, how they fit around the way that Clipper organization is being built, all those things where if they didn't get this one, yeah, maybe they could have used all their picks to go get a a player who's 6 through 10 or a player who's 10 through 15, but you're not typically winning a championship with that player. Uh, Kawhi has shown he will help you win a title. He's won two with teams built around him, and they went all in. And, again, the idea of him ending up with the Lakers would have would have sent – would have sent the for all the good they've done for the assets they've built up and and they would have they could have kept building the team in a traditional way and with all those picks they might have hit on a couple and been pretty good but they wouldn't have been this they wouldn't have been what they are this morning and that's a a, a legitimate contender um I, I think for an NBA title but we'll see how they fill out their roster here I think there's no question they're a contender for the title. Uh, they need they need some size. Uh, you know, Harold is the only. You know, maybe they'll bring back Zubats, but they're a little short on on big men. And you know, Anthony Davis is a big man, and there are other big men that they're going to have to get around. But um, so so let's let let me let me take it because you are so in on the details of all this. Let me take, let me dumb it down and take it basically. Um, the Lakers. I, I could never wrap my arms around. <coughs> Kawhi Leonard going to the Lakers. I could never wrap my arms around the most low-key, media-phobic. Now, he's proven to be a little bit more acerbic and funny, I think, than people had thought. But let's be that as it may, sort of low-key, media-phobic superstar willingly entering LeBron, Lakers, media circus. Every single shoot-around is like the NBA Finals and in terms of the media crowd. I could never get my arms around it. But if you want to win... If your bottom line is I want to win as many championships as possible, that's a hell of a situation. So, and Ramona Shelburne, our other, our other great colleague who was on the ground floor of a lot of this reported that 
um, reported today, I think, that um, Kawhi had requested um, the Lakers delay the the hold off on the consummating the AD trade or whatever it is. My brain is so tired, I can't remember the specifics. Indicating that he had a real interest in going there. So obviously the Lakers threat sort of mobilizes everybody. But I, I guess my dumb question is like, he really would have done it, wouldn't he? He really would have gone there. Well, I, I think the Clippers believe that, and that's why they were in such a determined mode to get this done late last night. Uh, they did believe he was going to go there. That in the end, I think all these situations had some real positives for Kawhi Leonard, and, and I think each, like almost any, there's no utopia in the NBA. Anybody who's facing one of these decisions, there's flaws to every place, and I think the flaw to the Clippers was there wasn't enough talent, that he didn't walk in the door. He could stay in Toronto and they could win a championship. He could go to the Lakers, they could win a championship. I think he liked generally more of the fit with the Clippers. I think the connection, I think the idea of playing for Doc Rivers, I was told appealed to him, and playing for an owner like Steve Ballmer and and all those things that it means for a star player and uh, to have access to someone like Ballmer and, and certainly his commitment to to uh, the resources he's put into that team, all those things, and it would be a team built around him. He he's the organization's built around him, and that's was always the sell for the Clippers. The Lakers are not built around Kawhi Leonard, and he would have been. I mean, how I don't know the second he would have been the second star, the third star there. However you want to look at it, people he, keep saying people keep saying that. I, you know, I think. Look, in terms of star, star, like Hollywood Walk of Fame star, maybe he's three, media profile. I think if I'm Kawhi Leonard, I'm walking into the Lakers thinking, I'm the best player on the team. Anthony Davis, you're just okay at creating your shot. We put you with two perimeter superstars. You're going to be what you are really destined to be, which is like the best big man finisher and like number one option when one of us is on the bench, big guy in the league. LeBron, you're 35, whatever, 34, whatever you are. By the end of this coming season, you're going to have the third most minutes ever played under your belt. This is my team. It's my team. Like I think he would have walked in and thought, "I'm the best player on the team," which which is which is what he should think, and shows you how goddamn dominant that trio would have been. Yeah, I, and only he can answer that question, uh, Zach. Only he knows where he thought he fit in. But in the end, the actions spoke. Instead of joining up with three, he went and, and found a tandem and found Paul George, and um, and and that's ultimately what he decided to do. But the the fact is the Clippers fully expected he would have gone to the Lakers. That, that the one thing it seemed in the end he wasn't willing to accept was, hey, wait a year. Let us, you know, we can roll the space over. We have all these picks. We could, uh, if, if it's not Paul George we're trading for now, there'll be somebody else out there. Uh, whoever the next guy is, and we'll we'll we've got more picks than anybody, and we'll trade for him. The next guy who wants to get to L.A. or a big market. Now that's assuming. Listen, it's easy to say that. Well, you go, well, who is that player? Well, don't worry, one will come along. Well, what if what if one doesn't? And so it was. Let's get Paul George right now. And you know, I think they found some vulnerability there in Oklahoma City, and you know, two years in a row of losing the first round, and a sense that. This team was probably not ascending anymore. They've got to get some payroll off there. The, the It was hard to imagine that was an improved team coming off of next year, that the flaws that were there this year um, would, would be there. And, and clearly it seemed Paul, just one year after making that commitment, was ready to move on.
Um, you, I love the point you made about the, the tandems, by the way, because if you look at the way the league is now today in the wake of this, you know, you can say well, however many A plus players are in the league. Let's say they're 12. You know, they're either in twos or there's one of them. And instead of a second one, there's like three A minus B plus guys. Like it's really, you know, you can, you can put Portland in that sort of like three, you know, one A plus guy and a couple A minus guys. You could put Utah like in three A minus guys. It's in a real, the league is in a really good spot. Zach, when you, when you look at the landscape now and you look, now we're seeing what the roster construction is of teams going in next year. It's not going to probably change dramatically from what you're seeing now. I think this oh, is Oh, God what, help us. Please, please no. No more change. No more dramatic change. I, I mean, I think this is what Adam Silver had in mind with, I think this is what he hoped for. We don't have the quote unquote super team. We don't have a team with three stars. Jimmy Butler, and I don't know. I mean, Zach is, would Houston have been a super team if Jimmy Butler went there? I, I don't think so. I, they would have been like super, a, cr- super cranky. Yeah, exactly. And so, but he went to Miami. And he didn't go to Houston, and um, and Golden State has been dispersed, and the Lakers didn't get a third guy, and all of a sudden in Boston, uh, you know, Kyrie left, and so maybe Tatum was gonna—I don't know, like maybe a couple of those guys were gonna grow into that. But but anyway, this is what I think the league ultimately wanted, um, and I do think that there's some—it's the evolution of it, and what. You know, I think being that third guy, and the the, the, the third guy is always going to have to sacrifice more. It's three can't have everything, and you've looked at the the super teams that the last few years, the Golden State, uh, the Miami one. You know, having Chris Bosh as a third guy, we've been over this. Chris Bosh is a third guy. Clay Thompson is just this really low maintenance catch and shoot, and 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 the. Warriors too were homegrown. I mean, they drafted them. They kept their own guys. It just, it's hard to, when a team's that good to, to keep hitting on draft picks the way they did. And, and so I, I just think this was an evolution for the league and the fact that, uh, Durant didn't want to be a part of one anymore and Kawhi rejected it. Two of the best, maybe the two best players in the league or two of the best three keep LeBron there. The fact that two of the best three players or however we want to rate them didn't want to be a part of that anymore. Now you've got talent spread out in a way that I think the league always hoped it would be. Yeah, you just named you know, Golden State now goes back to being sort of one of the A plus guys and two of the A minus guys, right? Philadelphia to me is one A plus guy in Joel Embiid and a few A minus guys, or at least two A minus guys, right? And now Horford um, and, and Simmons and Harris, I guess you can throw in there as an A minus B plus guy. Um, it, it's just it, in Houston. Houston is whatever. Houston and Denver sort of become like the, um, okay, we did nothing to our rosters. What is the power of continuity for us? You know, what, particularly Denver is sort of this young team that's going to grow organically together. They have one A plus guy in Jokic. And then I don't know that they have an A minus guy yet on the roster, even though they just paid Jamal Murray like an A plus guy. Well, I, I, um, I think they have hope they down the road. It won't be this year, next year. For sure, for that, for that, sure. That, that, but that, that, that it might be Michael Porter Jr. But but it's it's too soon to. Well, but the, it's too yeah. soon. But but certainly, the, you know, you look at Utah, Denver, Portland. You see, you know, outstanding, you know, all star level players at the top who are mature, responsible uh, leaders. 
And then you see depth. You see rosters. Portland has built out their roster. Utah's really built it out this summer. And Denver, without having to do anything, they, they keep that, they, they exercise that player, that big player option on Paul Millsap. He comes back for another year. And, and Denver's going to be really, really good again. Well, and, and, you know, Harris, Murray, Jokic, you know, let alone Porter Jr., these guys are all young. Mm-hmm. They're, they already have three of the first three I named a great, great chemistry together. They're all going to prove individually sort of organically by experience and by time and age. And then can they, can you found, can you find a special sort of compound effect of chemistry and age and yeah. all of this and, coming and I, together? And I think, Zach, I mean, don't you think, and we'll see how the Lakers and Clippers build their rosters out. But but I'm not going to sit here and believe that necessarily that those teams who've been together, uh, who have again balance and depth, and who can serve, look at look at the way Portland survived injuries last year in the and, postseason and, and continuity, yeah. continuity, which what? is a lost a lost currency but in the NBA. If you told me right now that any one of those teams, Denver, Utah, Portland, is going to beat the Clippers or Lakers in a playoff series, I, like until I see what the rest of those uh, rosters look like. That's not far fetched to me. No, it's not either. But let me let me let me get you back, get us back into the nitty gritty of what just happened because I, I don't want to move too far past know, what I was a, a, a seismic event um, last night. Um, what do we know about Paul George going to the Thunder? Um, I, I, it's funny. I have a, a free agency winners and losers column that's scheduled to run Monday, which of course now I must tweak. But I had in there a line about how. And you just echoed it. For, for a 48 win team that had the ninth best point differential in the league, I looked at the Thunder and I just thought, boy, it feels a little rickety. It feels like they might be the odd team out missing the playoffs next year before this trade with Paul George and all that. It just, it's something about the way their season ended and, and, and the, the fact that they were in luxury tax jail just, it made me feel a little uneasy about them. And obviously now this happens. Well, well Zach, they were never the same. I mean, they were Paul George. Was playing at, I mean, he was a legitimate. The shoulder. The yeah. shoulder, right? And, and he wasn't the same again. He played through tremendous injury. Uh, and, you know, that team fell off post, you know, after that injury and, and, and was a fairly easy out in the playoffs. And, and so I, I think for, I think for <clears throat> Paul George, like what I think he thought he signed up for, didn't feel like it was necessarily there anymore. And here was this opportunity to come home, to come to L.A. Listen, he already made a decision once. He didn't want to play. He could have walked right into the Lakers with LeBron James. And the Lakers had been his dream team. I I think Kawhi, when he was in San Antonio, that was the expectation, was that the Lakers were the team. And then that changed for both of them, for whatever reasons. And he partners up with with Kawhi, he gets the trade out of there, and and for Sam Presti, so I don't think he was happy with having to do this. But yeah, that that's what I was going to ask you. What do we know of that conversation? Yeah. Like, when does it start happening? July third, July fourth, and is it is is Sam Presti crestfallen as Ramona described him? Is there any tension between Paul George and Russell Westbrook, or is it just a matter of Paul George going and saying, "Hey, look, we've we've hit the wall here." I, I grew up a Clippers fan. This is a chance for me to achieve my dreams. Is there anything we can do here? <clears throat> well, it, it was a few days ago, whether it was – what day is it now? The, the seventh? I don't know. Oh, the moratorium. Sa- Saturday? Saturday moratorium the ends sixth. on the 6th. That's, that's, so it's 6th. So, so maybe the 2nd, maybe the 1st or the 2nd, 
<clears throat> they went to they didn't have much time to get this done. They went there and and uh, and asked for the trade. And then I was told it wasn't really until the last 24, 36 hours. So trade happened in the middle of the night on Friday night. My sense was those talks had maybe started 24, 36 hours prior. And, but for the Thunder and for Sam Presti, they were never ever going to get a return. They, they had a team leveraged in the most desperate situation you could be in with time running out with lots of assets. It's one thing like Houston might want to really do something with you, but they don't really have a lot of assets. They don't have those picks. And so they're limited in what they can give you. The, the, the Clippers were not limited. They, they had lots of picks and, and, and they got them all. They got them all. And, you know, uh, that, that Miami unprotected first round pick from 2021, which has been passed around from, it went in the Goran Dragic deal to, uh, Phoenix. And then it went from Phoenix to, uh, Philly for, uh, Bridges, right? Bridges from Villanova. Then it went yep. to the Clippers for Tobias Harris. Now it goes to Oklahoma City and, uh, we'll, you know, we'll see. You know, we'll see where they are in 2021, but that, that pick has value. And there, there's, and then the pick they got just the other day, the Clippers did, uh, from Miami because they had to take out Mo Harkless's contract. Miami needed to get money off and they get another pick. And that's the one protected pick in all of this that goes to the Thunder. And, and so here was a team that was desperate and, and was racing against the clock last night to get this done. And they had to give up everything. And, it, and I think the way they were able to sleep last night, I don't know if anybody slept in Clipperland, but was that they weren't trading for just Paul George. They were trading for Kawhi Leonard because they felt they weren't going to get him without having Paul George there. So let's close our eyes and make believe we are trading all of this for those two players. And I think when you look at it in that context, you, I mean, you're going to do that deal. Yeah, a couple of things there. Um, number one, um, People are going to clown the Lakers a little bit for holding their cap space open and, and whatever happens leaks and all this. I don't, I don't particularly care about all that. And, and they don't get the guy. And so they give your JaVale McGee's and your clutch client number one and clutch client number two and Rondo. Kawhi Leonard is absolutely worth it. It's ab- absolutely no brainer. It's not, it's not a, a, the 10th or 11th or 15th best player in the league when you have to, it's not Kemba Walker. Kawhi Leonard is worth waiting and striking out. And looking foolish for a second. It was absolutely worth it. Number two, Oklahoma City, you know, they, they had to know pain is coming. Um, a rebuild is coming, but they have no realistic way to actually do it. Like Steven Adams doesn't have a ton of trade value on his contract. Russ's contract is a straight up albatross. The only answer was Paul George. And so now they, maybe they get roped into this against their will, but now they have already achieved the hardest step of a rebuild it was it, it hurt a lot probably to trade Paul George but they they get to rebuild now they have decisions to make which we can talk about but they've already i mean this is this is a home run trade for them given the circumstances one one team executive unrelated to this trade texted me today and said if this goes a certain way Sam Presti could have just made one of the three or four greatest trades in the history of the NBA. Now, I don't know if that's true, but they got so much draft equity. They got Shea Gilgis Alexander, by the way, is a stud. Mm -hmm. And Gallo's, Gallo's a helpful player that they can flip for something more. Now they've got more work to it. It's a, it's a home run, um, return for them. 
Um, but your sense is this was not this was not sort of an, an angry confrontational talk between Paul George and the Thunder. It was sort well, of like, you know what, this this is a thing that came up. I like it better. Is there any way we can do this? I know it sucks. Can we make it work? Yeah, I, I think it was somewhere. My sense is it was somewhere between angry confrontational. I don't think it was pleasant. I don't think any team wants to be right. put in that situation. Um, but like in the end, you're right. I mean. There was no other place that Paul George would have – there was no other team or circumstance that would have gotten this back – that you would have gotten this back for Paul George. And you mentioned the Thunder. Like, and here's another reason they might have been – do they make the playoffs next year? Paul George is – and we reported this back when he had – when we, we reported that he was having the shoulder surgeries this offseason. And we said he was probably going to miss training camp and probably going to miss start of the season. And I think Ramona uh, reemphasized that last night. And so without Paul George in that team for who knows how long to start the year, what's their record in a West where all of a sudden the Pelicans are much better and the Spurs get DeJounte Murray back and the Spurs like are going to be, and we don't talk about them at all, but with their team back, they're, they're like, that was a really good team the last few weeks, last several weeks of the season. And and Murray, they thought was a breakout, going to be a breakout player for them last year. Oh, They'll they, come back. They, they couldn't, yeah. they couldn't contain how excited they were about Murray. And for a team that normally does not express any sort of premature excitement, boy, oh boy, were they excited. Yeah. And so what were the Thunder, what were the Thunder going to look like this year? And now you mentioned if they want to keep moving pieces out, Russ is there. We'll see what Russ, it, it, there is a market for Russ. I think it's limited. I think it's the, the win now teams who are just, who are like, we'll figure it out. We'll bring him in and figure it out. And, you know, Steven Adams is a player who's going to have value. And we know that his name was discussed in some trade talks this summer uh, already because they're way over, they're, they're in the luxury tax. And, you know, it's it's hard to get owners to write that check when you keep getting bounced in the first round. Yeah, the Russ, the Russ trade thing, I guess let's just go there. You know, I, again, in the light of day, I'm just sort of going through the league and sending some texts and looking at the standings like, boy, oh boy. You know, and I, I am not the biggest Russ guy, but that is a hard deal to trade. And you look at some of the teams, you know, I mean, you, t- you th- some of the teams are just too far away. Like Orlando's too far away. Phoenix is too far away. I mean, they're just te- the teams that you would see doing some sort of, I mean, Orlando has been very measured under Jeff Weltman, but you know, the point guard hole, you could construct some deals too far away. Washington is, is in a whole other mode of life. <laughs> they've right already now. got the other, they've got John Wall's contract there. I don't think that's. Would, wouldn't that, wouldn't that be the most depressing trade possible? John Wall for Russell Westbrook. And like, I guess Washington has to throw in picks because a pick maybe because at least the guy they're getting is like ambulatory and can play. Um, you were in the right state of Florida, and, and that's yes, my, and that's Miami. That's Miami. I mean, they like do they have, you know, again, picks wise, and like if they do move them in Oklahoma City, what, like what are you realistically expecting to get back? Except not having to take back to me, like do you have to attach an asset? They have all like, will they have to attach a pick for him? Will they no, just... if, if you if you trade Russell Westbrook without attaching an asset, that's a win. And so my expectation of why Miami makes a lot of sense is a clearly they're hungry for stars um, that they can get now and maybe sell the summer of 2021 to another star. Uh, and number two, you just have to look for a team that wants is always in win now mode. And the exception of the one year they tanked and got Michael Beasley, even though they say they never tank in Miami, they did. Um, they they really do to their credit want to win, even if that's a 45 win 
dogfight just to get the seventh seed. Um, and, and what you're going to give back is other bad contracts, but smaller. So easier to move, easier to swallow, easier to stretch, right. whatever it is. If that's a win, that, 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 that's just what you're going to get for Russell Westbrook because he makes $47 million in 2023. Like, I'm not even sure the Wolves would do Wiggins for Westbrook straight up. How, how I don't about, think, th- I, I don't think they would do that. How about, how about the, all right. Oh, I get, we can go through the whole league and do this. How about the Pistons to put him with Blake Griffin? No, I don't see it. No, I don't see it. Yep. I, in fact, I, I thought would they trade Blake Griffin for him or something? Yeah. I, the Pistons yeah, are yeah. on my list. I, I don't see it. I don't. I don't. And I don't. I think they're too far away, and I think that contract and, is too damaging. And, I don't think and, there's a deal there. And, and the other one is, I mean, like, the Rockets. I mean, Daryl's. I don't know how you build up that deal, and now you've got three. Now you're all your money in three guards. Um, I, I so, but but you've got to think about it. There'll be somebody. And I, I'm if, guessing if the do, net with the Knicks with the Knicks do it. I don't think. Oh, I don't see that. Think, that's the other one. They're too like, far away. All yeah, this stuff no, about we've. Yeah, you know, they're too. You just it doesn't make everyone's throwing the Knicks out because the Knicks always lose and the Knicks make dumb decisions and then it's, it doesn't make any. Right. They're so far away. It doesn't make any sense. By the way, if we're going to combine Harden and Westbrook, we just need to find a way. Let's just redo the Thunder. Let's just get. Can we get Durant there and just say, you know what? We never should have broken these three up. Let's just, let's try it again. Obviously, that's not going to happen in Brooklyn. Um, let's let's turn because you, you've got you've got other news to break, and I don't want to waste your whole day here. Um, um, what what did did Toronto have a shot? Could could they have gotten? Could could they have could they have I mean obviously they could have coaxed him back and said hey look we got we got a year of of Kyle and Serge and Mark running back this team that just won the championship you know obviously it was interesting in the end that Kawhi Leonard took the years in, instead of the much rumored short term deal and I said over and over again it would surprise me if he took the short term deal because of the load management and the leg and he took the years and the years don't really align with Toronto's timetable other than Siakam and maybe Anunoby. As, as much as they do in other places, but but did they did they have a shot? What was their position or what was their place in all of these furious phone calls that are happening last night? That well, was confusing well, to me. Oklahoma City did talk to Toronto. They did talk about Paul George. I'm told it didn't get very far. There wasn't really much traction. They didn't have. Uh, I, I think at the very least, you you have to know that Kawhi wanted to stay there, and and I'm told Paul was open to just playing with. Kawhi, and so if that meant being in Toronto, he hadn't ruled that out. But what does it tell you that Kawhi, he looked at the Lakers and thought, well, I'm go- I could win there, and he knew he could win in Toronto. He knew if, if they just brought that team back, uh, they certainly were good enough next year, and then there were some decisions to make on the roster and with contracts. But in terms of two ready-made teams to win, well, it was the Lakers and the Raptors, and yet... He was pressing the Clippers to become the ready-made team to win. So that tells you that's the place he wanted to go. And he just said, you've got you've got to meet my criteria and I'm coming. And they did. So it's hard to imagine that he was, it was hard to imagine that he, he really wanted to go back there because it was all there for him. But I think what I had been told through the whole thing was he has so much respect for Everything that went on there this year, the way that the organization, the city, the country embraced them, the relationship he built with Masai Ujiri, and and I think the relationship that over time 
he built with a team. I think there was some standoffish. I think there was a little bit of, and you know this better than I do, Zach. You're around there more than I was. But my sense was there was a little bit of distance between everybody initially that they all felt he was just passing through. He's not easy to get to know necessarily. But there, as that year went on and that team started to realize the opportunity they had, then they make the Marcus All trade and the trade with Memphis at the deadline, and now they're really saying, hey, we can we can do this, that that team got closer, and it certainly they played that way on the court. Because in the end, it's how you play together that matters. It doesn't matter. That's the only relationship among teammates that matters, what happens on game night. The rest of it, it doesn't matter if you're willing to sacrifice for each other, play, play together. They did that, win the championship. So all of that he really valued. And... I think it says a lot about him that he got on a plane and flew back there and met with them and did it face-to-face. And, you know, he could have left after the parade and just called this one in. And he didn't. And I think certainly he got hopes up when he went back there that, well, he must be coming back to, you know, I think everybody imagined he and Masai coming out in the balcony of the hotel with their arms raised in the air, you know, to the cheering masses. It didn't happen. It didn't end that way. Um, but the feeling all along was it was going to be a really good way station uh, for one year, and he was going to move on, and then the year exceeded everybody's expectations. It was what Masai, and it's why he made the trade, was to win a title. But in the end, Kawhi, I think the pull of Southern California and going back, again, he took less money. He turned down, let's see, what, 220 in San Antonio he could have had, could have had 190 guaranteed in Toronto, and he goes for 141 million guaranteed with the Clippers. So he has he was pulled towards something beyond money, and and I think the Clippers have a team that they're going to build around him and an organization that very clearly the personality of the organization. I think they want to reflect his sensibilities, and you saw them all year kind of put it together that way. Hard playing role players. Um, they've got all the guys to put around him, and then they got the star that he needed to win big. I, you know, hypothetically, that like Paul George is the guy that helps you compete at the very highest level, and and the Patrick Beverleys and the Landry Shamets who showed potential last year, and the Montrez Harrells, hard playing guys, and and now they'll get out there in free agency here, and they're going to compete. You know, they're trying to get, <clears throat> you know, the Rajon Rondos and the Cal Corvers they'd like to be involved in, and you know, they're really competing with the Lakers and. Philly, Milwaukee for, you know, some of the minimums that are, um, that they're going to have to take in. And an absolutely fascinating, an absolutely fascinating turn of events. I mean, you think about, you think about Oklahoma City, when you really trace it back, Serge Ibaka becomes Sabonis and Oladipo becomes Paul George becomes all of this plus the side of Jeremy Grant. They turn Serge Ibaka, nice player, nice player into this bounty into a future. I mean it's it's crazy how well those deals turn. And I and 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 you you were you were at the forefront of this one too. It it was a slow it was a slow burn what happened with Kawhi in San Antonio. There there wasn't a seismic event until he was traded. There wasn't it just sort of trickled out slowly and then he would play and then he didn't play and then he stopped playing and nobody knew what was going on. And I think the nature of the, the, the weirdness and the slowness of that story masked 
how significant it was in terms of changing the entire landscape of the league, almost mm-hmm. on par with LeBron changing teams. And, and, because you look at what... Go ahead. No, no, ahead. And, and, but, and what... And part of it, too, was nobody wanted to believe it. Nobody believed. They always... It just felt... It always felt like Kawhi and the Spurs organization, they were they were meant for each other, that here was this, like, this was a, this was the quintessential Spurs star, like, um, just, just played on both ends and dominated and, uh, he's the heir less. to Tim Duncan. Yeah. He, he's and, the heir to Tim Duncan. <clears throat> but, you know, I think in the end he, he, and, and, and I think he wanted, he wasn't Tim Duncan. He didn't want, he didn't want to be Tim Duncan. And, and he, um, I, I think for, and, and it speaks to, how fragile it is, how hard it is to sustain it in this league. You have much greater appreciation. I know they do in San Antonio. Who wouldn't for what they were able to do, <clears throat> keeping that group together for so long? Duncan, Parker, Ginobili, but even Oklahoma City. The fact that they lost Kevin Durant and they were able to reshape that roster, like you said, make the tr- well. They did the trade with Orlando before. Kevin left. That was draft night, and then Kevin left a few days later. But Sabonis and Oladipo, they flipped that for Paul George, and all of a sudden that they're bringing a team back with before Brinus, um, you know, when you thought he was going to be a good player for them, and obviously things got sideways in his career. And, and you looked at their roster, and you thought, and they got you know the deals they made last summer that they were a team that you know like had staying power, but. The Thunder have had so much success for so long. They're not going to win a championship. Uh, looking back, there's going to be a lot of what-ifs with them. A, couple, a few years it was injuries, whether it was Durant or Westbrook. There was the Harden trade, of course. You know, they, they may always look back and say, why didn't we just wait and let Harden play one more year with us and do that trade? But they didn't, and, and they moved him. And so all of those factors, but still tremendous amount of winning over a long period. And you're right, they staved off. Uh, a re- we, we thought the rebuild was going to come after Durant left. Hey, listen, if if Russell Westbrook walks into Sam Presti's office after Durant left and says, Sam, I'm not sure yet if I want to resign. Uh, I'm not, you know, I want to play it out. I got a couple years left on my deal. Um, well, he had, well, no, let's see, what do you have then? One one full year he left. Had that, right? Yeah, they, they did that funky, like there was well, extension they did the renegotiation. Extension. Well, that's what it was. Yeah. He came in and was ready to do the renegotiation because they had the cap space. But if Russell wasn't ready to commit then, I think they would have, I think that would have been the end of the team. I think Russ then had much more trade value than he will now. He was younger. Um, a, a couple, I don't know, a couple knee surgeries later. He's had at least one since then. And, you know, he's on the other side of 30 now. And so, Boston might have been the team at that point that would have traded for Russ, Russell Westbrook. But he came in and said, hey, I want to stay. I want to be the guy here, and I want that. I'm going to do that Supermax with you. And so Sam Presti couldn't he, – he traded James Harden, and Kevin Durant left. And if if Russell Westbrook was saying to the organization, I want to be here, and you traded him, and all of a sudden he shows up in a new town and said, guys, I never wanted to leave. I, I wanted to keep going there. They traded me. I don't think – I don't, I'm not sure Sam would want that on his permanent record. And he thought, well, I'm going to keep building around Russ. And, and they did make another run at it with Paul George. And, you know, it was a gutsy trade that they made with, with Indiana. Really gutsy. They sold Paul George on it, but 
you know, it lasted two years. It's interesting how, you know, when the Raptors won the title, there was this flurry of, well, there's now everyone should take risks on the one-year guys, even if they telegraph that they want to be in Los Angeles or wherever they are. Well, you know, and, and I wrote after the Raptors won the title, that discussion changes if he leaves. And I didn't think Paul George would be in Los Angeles too. Like these are – people want to make these seem like easy choices often in hindsight after an event like the Raptors win. They're just not easy choices because when someone walks out the door for nothing, it really, really hurts your team. It really hurts your team. If you've given up significant resources, which the Raptors did not, and that's why this was a, this was the, the Raptors win the Kawhi Leonard trade forever. Forever and ever and ever they win the Kawhi Leonard trade. That's it. They won. Yep. Um, but, but they didn't have a Jalen Brown or a Brandon Ingram or anybody that they considered a core part of their future that they were giving up. And like, it's easy when the Raptors win to say team X and Y. Well, they should have dove all in, all in, all in. But the Raptors almost lost in the second round and now Kawhi's gone and, Normally, when a player of that quality walks out the door for nothing, it destroys your team to a level that the Raptors will not suffer because they were kind of ready to be destroyed anyway until Kawhi fell into their lap is a little bit strong, but became available at the price that they paid. You, you know, and this is uh, – I haven't researched it. I, I thought about it off the top of my head, Zach. I had an executive who in recent years lost a very good player in free agency, and the research they had done – with it was that no max player since Tim Duncan, that no max level player who took a meeting elsewhere stayed. Tim Duncan was the last max level guy. Paul George didn't take a meeting. He stayed. Um, go, you know, go through them. Um, now Kawhi was a little unique because he, he was only in Toronto one year. So you thought, well, like I've earned this free agency. I'm going to go out and check it out. But, Gordon Hayward took meetings. He left. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge took meetings. He left. But you've seen the resilience of organizations who, who, who kept themselves on balance and didn't, didn't say we have to gut this and rebuild and reshaped it. Portland did it with the loss of Aldridge. The Jazz did it with Gordon Hayward. <clears throat> look, look at the roster, the Jazz two years later. Look at this roster they're going into the season with because they hit it on Donovan Mitchell. And, you know, Rudy Gobert was already there. And, and so, and they'd make the Mike Connolly trade. And so they survived it. And, and Oklahoma City, to an extent, they did survive it. I mean, you're never replacing Kevin Durant. And I'm not comparing LaMarcus Aldridge and Gordon Hayward to Kevin Durant. But in those markets, like when you're Utah and if, and you have a player, we've been through this. When you have a player like Gordon Hayward, like you got to feel like we've got to be able to keep Gordon Hayward. And they didn't. And, Yet they found a way to reboot that thing, reshape it with good management. And, and now you look at the two teams, Brooklyn and the Clippers. The reason that they have these players, because in a very short window of time, Sean Marks in Brooklyn and Lawrence Frank and Mike Winger in LA made one really smart move after another, took chances, did some things that were not popular and found a pathway to getting combined Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Paul George, and uh, Kawhi Leonard. And these were laughing stock organizations who at different times had success but had never been able to sustain it. Both are in the shadows of – now the Lakers have had a lot of success. The Knicks have not had any 
Um, but it um, just speaks to – yeah, it just speaks to those – if you run your organization well, like geography doesn't – it just doesn't matter anymore. And the Lakers – Lakers are the Lakers, and LeBron wanted to come there, and that triggered all of this. You know, there's no Anthony Davis, I don't think, if LeBron doesn't come first. And, um, you know, we'll see what they do with their money here and how they – you know, Danny Green's two years – some of the others, but they could be back in the market in two seasons, maybe. There's not a very good free agent class next year, but in two years, they could be back out there and um, chasing another max level star to go with Anthony Davis. Uh, LeBron almost pulled it off. All right, well, you've got to go do some more. I mean, there's more dominoes to fall. You're going to be on top of them at all. I hope you get to take a nap or like just at least sit in a chair with your eyes closed in silence for six minutes or something. Um Amazing work over the last couple of weeks, and and uh, and uh, I guess I guess we'll wait for yeah. the next you know NBA earthquake to hit. But thank you, thank you thank, for making you, a little Zach. time for this. No. Yeah, for this crossover, it's a good time. And yeah. uh, whew, well, we move on. Thank you, Woj. Thanks, Zach.